Welcome to From Fear to Fire, Secrets to Overcome Fear, Embrace Your Gifts, and Achieve Success. This is the place where real people share real challenges and where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom through their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. I am Heather Hansen O'Neill, and I am your host. And today's quote of the day is by Robin Sharma. The results of your life reflect the standards you've set. And we have an expert in results today as our guest. Robbie Samuels is an author, speaker, and business growth strategy coach, recognized as a networking expert by Harvard Business Review, Forbes, Lifehacker, and Inc. He's also a virtual event design consultant and executive Zoom producer, recognized as an industry expert in the field of digital event design by JDC Events. Robbie's the author of Croissants versus Bagels, Strategic, Effective, and Inclusive Networking at Conferences. That's a fun one. And his newest, Small List, Big Results, Launch a Successful Offer No Matter the Size of Your Email List. He is a Harvard Business Review contributor, and his clients include thought leaders, entrepreneurial women, associations, national and statewide advocacy organizations, women's leadership summits. Oh, I could go on about Robbie. He is the host of the On the Schmooze podcast and No More Bad Zoom Virtual Happy Hours. Those are a lot of fun, too. How about we bring Robbie on right now? Robbie, how are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, this is going to be so much fun. I absolutely love where we're going with this. Uh, So, you know, there are a lot of things that I want to ask you, but before I dive into my questions, how about you give us a little bit more background on how, you know, how you got to where you are today talking about results. How'd you go from, from croissants to your new book, Small List, Big Results? Well, so prior to the pandemic, I had spent about a decade working to become recognized as a networking expert. My background was in fundraising events, and I had started a meetup group. And it, you know, it grew, and partly it grew because I was great at relationship building and teaching people how to build uh, great, engaging events. And so my talk was about that for a decade. And I was really known for eye contact, business cards, shaking hands, body language, and fat croissants versus bagels. The title of the book refers to my most memorable takeaway from that talk, which was about how to stand at events and whether we stand in these tight shoulder-to-shoulder huddles, which I called bagels, or opened up our stance and made it more welcoming and inviting. And therefore, that's more of a croissant stance. And I even got to do a, a TEDx on that topic in 2019. And you really felt like I was finally on the cusp of being, you know, an overnight success, 10 years in the making. And my new talk um, was you know, ready to be released in early 2020 when the pandemic hit. And, you know, essentially the way I was known and the value I brought into the world was not needed. Mm-hmm. So I needed to make some real changes. And the short story is that I started hosting a virtual happy hour, March 13th, 2020. And that led to several new revenue streams, even though I don't charge for that event. Um, uh, lots of revenue streams that didn't work, but several that did. And within eight months, I had a thriving six-figure business. And in 2021, I earned enough money that I was able to buy my family our dream home and uh, move into it uh, this summer. 
And a lot of the reason that worked was because I'm also a business growth strategy coach. And at the time in 2020, I was coaching about a dozen entrepreneurs and helping them through this sort of global crisis and how it was impacting their business. And I treated myself like a client. And so I really, the book, the new book is really the answer to the question, Robbie, how did you do that? Mm-hmm. So it, it details it pretty specifically how to build an audience before you create your offer. Now, I was lucky enough to um, get to see this book, read this book pre-release. We're in the in the heart of the release right now. And I will tell you firsthand, it's great. It has some awesome suggestions and stories and all of that. So I guess this ties into the book a little bit, but I think any of our entrepreneurs out there would like to know this. So is having a small email list the reason that entrepreneurs struggle to find clients or for a new offer? Well, that's the reason they think it's not working. In fact, that's why the subtitle of the book is launch a successful offer no matter the size of your email list, because the problem that people think they have and why they're not selling as much as they'd like to be selling is they think it's because they have a small email list. That's actually not the problem. The problem is the bigger problem, I should say, is that they built this offer, this solution, um, this online course, this group coaching program, whatever they built, they built it in a vacuum without input from likely prospects. Mm -hmm. And then they brought it to the market and the market basically said, who are you? What is this? We don't need it. And there was a mismatch between what you thought people needed. Mm -hmm. And you probably are right, by the way, that they need it. They just don't know that they need it. So it's a really hard sell. And what I'm suggesting is instead lean into your existing network, find likely prospects and likely referral partners who already know, like, and trust you have research calls with them, Mm -hmm. discover what problems they're dealing with, and then co-create the offer with them and invite them to join the pilot. And you could do this in six or 12 weeks and get great results or find out it's a flop, but you'll find out quickly and innovate from there. Mm-hmm. And it's really a, um, a, a some kind of system that like it's a reoccurring system. You can do it over and over again, but it will completely transform how you make offers in the future. I love this. Now, there's a couple of things that I really like about what you just said. The first one um, is the excuse that I often hear from people about why they haven't done something. Oh, well, I, I haven't launched this because I have to build up my list or, you know, I, this wasn't successful because I don't have a good list or I don't have a big list. So so you really you you solve that. You took away that excuse for them, which is awesome. But then the thing that I really love is that you're encouraging people to get out of themselves and get into the people we serve, right? That's, a, that's what I love. I love serving and you can't serve a market properly if you really don't know what they want. I mean, like you said, you may know what they need, but if they don't know, they're not going to buy it. So those are two really good things. Now you also speak about the little P and the big P. You want to fill us in about, about what that is? Yeah. So just going back to your earlier point, um, when I was um, first hosting this virtual happy hour, people started reaching out to me saying, um, oh, you seem like you know a lot about Zoom. Could you help? And I started getting lots of requests for coffee chats. 
and pick your brains and catch up calls. And can you come teach my team something? And I could have filled my calendar with these catch up calls for the entire year because I didn't have business otherwise, other than the coaching I was doing. Mm -hmm. So I realized that that wasn't a good idea and that I would never tell a client to do that. So I started treating those as, as research calls. And I ended up launching a pilot of a four week training program in May. So in actually I announced it mid April and I had 15 people signed up for $500 a piece starting the beginning of May. And as soon as I did one, I then immediately launched the second month. And then I launched the third month and a fourth month. And the first 20, I didn't have any mention of it on my, my, my website and people who bought it were buying it just because they knew me, they trusted me. They believed I could help them. And I had listened to what they needed and I developed a program that met their needs. I then put a very rudimentary, um, <laughs> craptastic uh, <laughs> web um, mention on my website. I'm not a web designer. Uh, I made a static homepage. So the people who bought from me in 2020, including clients and uh, event clients, including companies that hired me, they did not hire me because I had a beautiful um, web presence or uh, perfect videos or uh, thinking thinkific or uh, teachable or some other LMS program. And I think there's another thing people uh, put in front of themselves as sort of problems that they have to solve um, what they really need. And, and this is sort of funny because I, I think in some ways I'm diagnosing the, the small P problem that entrepreneurs think they have is, oh, my, I don't have the right website. <laughs> that's not your problem. The problem is you haven't gone and talked to your network. Um, and that's an example. But I just want to say that if we don't kick ourselves out of the way, our impact in the world is diminished. The 40 people that I helped in 2020 get their, you know, get comfortable and competent with Zoom went on to build businesses, to relaunch their speaking career, to become Zoom producers. And that wouldn't have happened. That impact both directly to them and the ripple effect if I had been consumed with doing it perfectly. So the little P problem really is what you think the problem is or what your clients or likely prospects, what they diagnose as the problem. And in reality, as an expert, you know, it's not that issue. It's, it's a bigger, it's much bigger than that. And part of our job as entrepreneurs is to illuminate and ask questions and help people start to recognize, oh, wow, there's more to this than I thought. Because if we don't do that, if we just solve the small P problem, um, one, people will walk away thinking they're, they're set <laughs> and they're not. Yeah. Um, and two, they won't think they need to buy anything else from you because you've helped them with their small P problem. And they think they're done. So it's not really going to have the best impact if we don't help people recognize the, the bigger issues at hand. Mm -hmm. And that's partly what I've been doing all, all this whole fall with entrepreneurs around this book. People thought the small P problem was, you know, oh, my list is too small. And some people think my book is about how to build your list and how to do email sequences and how, uh, how to do freebies and lead magnets. And no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's about how to, how to engage through network. Yes. Yeah. You know, and, and I totally get what you're saying because the majority of my work is all of the big P problems that people can't see because they're belief related, they're fear related, they're underlying. And so they come up with all of these more obvious things that they say are the issue. Um, but the real issue is below that. So I, completely get what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Now, if somebody wants to build an audience, um, do you recommend that they build it before 
they create the offer or? Yeah, uh, I mean, that's, I know that this sounds like um, out of out of sequence and, and how do you do that if you don't have anything to offer, how are you building an audience? But you know, let's say even writing a book, right? A book is an offer, a book is a piece of content, it's a solution or a podcast, right? Or an online course, whatever it is you're, you're creating to serve and support the, the people you want to help most. Um, don't be so quiet about it. I think a lot of people when they're writing books, they, they don't talk about the fact they're writing the book. They don't ask likely readers for input. When I started writing this book in 2018, and yes, I wrote, I wrote a lot of it in 2018, like 20,000 words, and then put it aside and picked it up again when I knew I had more details about how I can help people. Um, I hosted several free masterclasses to engage with my community around this content. And that really helped me shape what went into the book, what stories went into the book, um, how to explain things. So I knew people got it and could actually implement it and take action. When I came back to the book in this year, ready to actually release it, I workshopped the title, I workshopped the, the cover art, and all of it changed for the better because you know my instincts um, led me down one path, but I am not my ideal reader. I am not my ideal client. So it doesn't really matter that I like the blue cover with the networking symbols. If my ideal reader was drawn to the white cover with the Wi-Fi symbol, which is right. kind of what I think of it as, that's great. You know, like it's it's much more important. And in fact, my first subtitle was um, leverage your network to grow your business. But again, going back to how people think about this, my ideal readers did not think they were looking for a solution mm -hmm. around networking. So why would they buy the book? Right. But what they do think they're looking for is a solution around having a small list. So getting really clear about what will attract. And even the first title that I offer this year was small list, big ambition with a question mark discovered my ideal readers are women, entrepreneurial women over 50. And I found out that they didn't resonate with the word ambition or the word goals mm -hmm. and that what they wanted was results. And so again, like the content of the book had already been crafted. So that didn't change, but the marketing, the messaging, the words we use, we really should be paying attention and all of that, you know, workshopping and asking my network for their feedback. It also was marketing for the book and it led to lots of people wanting to know when it was coming out and they joined my launch team and they got early copies once it was released. But I started doing that before the book was final, while it was still with my editor, while we were still doing all the final edits, mm -hmm. I was already building a launch team and getting feedback about the title and the cover. I think too often we are um, isolating ourselves. I think that is so accurate. You know, we think we've got to put together something that's perfect and then present it to the world. And when you do that, you spend all this time putting together this perfect thing and find out nobody wants it. How devastating is that? That's why we did um, for my new book that I'm launching, we held a, a quite a few focus groups to really get the input of the leaders who are our market. So I think that's brilliant. Now you mentioned that your ideal client is an, uh, an entrepreneurial woman over 50. How did you come to find them as your ideal client? You know, it's funny, that's still true, but I've recently started to realize there's a psychographic um, mm -hmm. difference. It's not demographically that's accurate, but there's also a psychographic overlay that I'm becoming aware of because there are men who are really resonating with the content. And it's, it's essentially, it's, it's these people who are entrepreneurial, generally in their fifties who are ready to have a bigger impact in the world. And they're looking to grow 
their business from some sort of hourly, transactional, uh, maybe coaching practice or speaking practice and, and turning it into some kind of one-to-many um, with an online course or group program that they could offer. And they're, they're, that transition is really what they're looking to do. They're actually not even ready to talk about it. What instead they usually want to talk about is the book or the podcast they're considering hosting. But it's really to the, the end result that they'd like is to minimize the number of hours, increase their impact and income. And originally I didn't recognize that this was who I was, you know, really uh, aiming to reach out to because they were reaching out to me. Mm -hmm. So my network is filled with entrepreneurial women and I, I have been engaging and supporting for years. And when I was trying to launch my, my second iteration of a coaching program a few years ago, it really was going nowhere until I rebranded it and marketed it more directly to this demographic. And then it filled right away. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just think that we often are a little bit blind or have like, you know, just our own mental blocks around who we are serving and who we could be serving. But there are people who already come to you for support services and um, just advice. And the book has a, has a sort of resource in there called Discover Your Ideal Client. It's a little Venn diagram to work your way through. Mm-hmm. Um, I think too often we're overlooking some really great prospects who are already kind of in our orbit. And um, it wouldn't take a lot of effort to then figure out like, okay, how could I best serve them? Right. Okay. That is super smart. Is there like one main problem that you solve? I think a lot of times the clients that I work with think they're starting from scratch because they feel like a novice when it comes to this part of their business Mm -hmm. and they're discounting the 20 or 30 years that they have developed a professional network. And so they're, they're not thinking to lean into the existing network at all. And they're, they're maybe fearful about reaching out to someone they haven't talked to in five or 10 years. And they're really discounting um, this this really like rich resource that they have. And I want them to know that, you know, I, my belief is that relationships are the answer to all business or life challenges. And once they have this sort of mindset shift, they start to really see all these possibilities and they, they start reaching out and they start developing um, these offers in relationships, in co-creation mode. And it totally changes things. So I think their first instinct is to do it perfect. Like you said, you know, perfectly branded, perfectly everything, package it all perfectly, but no input. And so they're really disappointed by the results um, or the lack of results. And so I think, I think my main thing is helping people realize that they can do this. They have the resources to do this and to get out of their own way around it. Cause if they want to have a bigger impact, it can't be about us and our fears. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I know you know this, but if we, Mm -hmm. if we stay in fear mode, then we're not going to be fully serving. Um, we're making it about ourselves and not about the people we're trying to support and, and, and help. And so I think that's, that's a big piece of, of how I'm helping people. I love that. And so, you know, I always, at some point need to ask my guest about their own challenges and fears. Is there a fear that you overcame in this process that, that you were able to bust through and learn from that you could share with our listeners? Well, there was, you know, March 9th through 11th when I, <laughs> 2020, when I was really accepting the reality that the pandemic was happening, that events were going to shut down. 
you know, that was right before everything actually shut down, but there was a lot of talk about it. Things are being postponed or canceled or rescheduled. And I really just was trying to figure out how to show up and add value. And so that was what I was saying on March 11th, I went to a peer mastermind and they kicked me in the butt and said, you know, you don't think of networking as something that only happens at events. Cause of course I was known for that. That was my space that I was teaching in. And they said, you've built a global network in the last five years. Why don't you share something about that? So March 12th, I wrote nine ways to network in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Just felt like I have to show up and add value. Like that's what we'll remember about people from this time period. And one of the options was to host a virtual happy hour. So I did that. And so really, I feel like I felt very stuck for a few days, but I know people who stayed stuck for six months. I'm mm-hmm. grateful I didn't do that. But I think once I had something I could offer, I felt so much better about just doing the next thing. No monetary gain plan, not a business proposition, wasn't trying to launch anything. But I truly believe if you continue to be of service to the people around you and you are thoughtful about asking to get paid, because I remember I didn't just do it for free all year. I did create a pilot. I did then get paid by by clients to bring their events online. Mm -hmm. That I think you have to sort of do both. You have to sort of put things out there and then you have to have a moment where you say, you know what? this is really valuable. I should see how I can monetize this and make people, you know, um, really engage with the material in a different way because free material people don't take as seriously. Yeah. So yeah. I think, yeah, I think that that was a big shift for me. Uh, my world was in person. I'm an extrovert. I love people. And, um, I just went to my first like in-person weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> I know we get, we've gotten used to this being, a- I'm very, it was very strange. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a like Uber extrovert, um, or was, and got really, really re-energized, but you know, I, I did my usual pace and, uh, and it was, it was a lot, um, after, after, you know, almost two years now, a year and a half now of not having as much face time, um, yeah, and that was a fear. I think I in, Robbie, fear. you can't dive into the deep end. <laughs> Just who I am. I know. I know. I'm the same way. I jump out of airplanes. I can see that. So, so this problem that people think that they have, or they do actually have of not utilizing their relationships, their network, are there symptoms that come along with that? Well, usually it's the people who build products in isolation and then try to put it out there and have poor results. And they're just banging their head on it. I mean, I can't tell you the number of people I have met who before they made a single sale, they have built a learning management system like Thinkific or Teachable Mm -hmm. or Podia. They paid someone to record videos for them. Um, And they don't even know if they have access to the original files or the rights of like, like, They've just spent money in, in awkward and bad ways. Yeah. Um, I met someone who had a sales page that was not converting. They had not made any sales. And they were talking to a consultant about doing Facebook ads. And oh. you know what's really hard about that is the Facebook ad consultants was ready to take their money. Right. You know, like not everyone has great morals. And um, I just, to me, it's like, whoa, you know. <laughs> unless you have proof of concept in the form of money in your bank account, like let's not throw more money to this problem. Um, But they've never taken a step back to think, how could I in the simplest fashion find six people to be in a pilot? 
-hmm. Like how, how could I just do that? Not broadcast message, but just six people, you know, four people, minimums, 12 people maximum. And they just, they missed that as a, as a possibility. And, um, the symptom is the bank account goes down instead of up. <laughs> that, that's an obvious one. <laughs> that's an obvious one. They, yeah. they don't see it. Like, like the way they diagnose it is different. Right. Um, but this is true for us as entrepreneurs, like we're experts, we have a different vantage point. We have a lived experience to draw from. And so it's like a doctor being on a subway and they look at someone just from the way they're sitting and they immediately know what's wrong with them. Yes, yes. It's like, they call it a subway diagnosis. I think that as ex-experts, as fellow entrepreneurs, we have that ability. But if we come at people, like imagine like walking up to someone on the subway that you've never met before. And you're like, <laughs> Hey, you have multiple sclerosis. We need to remedy this. And they'd be like, the what, you know, like, who are you? No, I don't. I just have back pain. Yeah. <laughs> I take Advil, you know, like, Oh my um, gosh, that is such a good example. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm an action oriented person. So do you have a suggestion and action that our audience can, can try something that they can do that can help them. In the book, there is an exercise called wake up your network. And in the accompanying bonus content, which I call the big results toolkit, there's a workbook that takes this exercise and, and puts it into a PDF format. So you can easily print it and follow along, mm -hmm. but it, it really walks you through um, how to take a list. It could be your LinkedIn list. It could be your Instagram, it could be your email list. It could be the people you texted, you know, the last three years. And you take that list and you go through it methodically. First pass is identify people who would recognize your name and you'd love to hear from them out of the blue. That's just putting an X in the consider column. Then you're going to add columns for their connection to you, their influence in the world and their interest in whatever you would like to be talking about right now. And you add a one, two, or three, three being highest for those. And this is all gut instinct. Don't do a ton of research. Just what do you think? One, two, or three, no zeros, no half points, one, two, or three. And so based on your answers to, you know, those um, questions is whether this person ends up being a likely prospect, a likely referral partner, a coffee chat, which means you, you were so excited to see their name, but they're not perfectly aligned with what you're doing right now, but you'd still want to reach out to them. Or are you going to kind of snooze them for another time? Maybe 18 months from now, it'll be more, it'll make more sense to reach out to them. And then from that smaller list, you need to pick just 20 or 25 people to actually schedule calls with in the next six weeks. And, you know, these calls are not so you can um, pitch your idea, mm -hmm. but instead to ask questions to find out what, what people think they need and what they've tried and what help they need. Um, and if you're talking to, to like referral partners or fellow experts, you're really like, what's going on with this demographic? What are you seeing in the market? What are you creating? I want to refer people to you. I want to see what holes there are in the market so that you'll know that I'm doing this other thing. We complement each other. And that is how you start building a referral network and your coffee chats just make you feel good, <laughs> get you into the practice of doing it, but you want to make sure you're in over-indexing and reaching out to likely prospects, because if you don't, you won't really have a pipeline. And what we're really doing, Heather, is we're building a runway for our idea to take off. If we had 
a huge email list, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of emails. We basically own a fleet of helicopters. And whenever we have ideas, we can just launch them. Boom, easily done because there's a lot of people waiting to, to buy from us. But the people I work with, myself included, we need to build a thoughtful runway for our little tiny plane to take off. <laughs> yeah. And that runway includes letting your network know what you're doing, what you're about. And so that's how people start to be referred to you. And so 2020 for me was about waking my network up to the fact that I now did virtual event design consulting. I was an executive Zoom producer. I was available to bring events online with less stress and greater participant engagement. I could train you and how to do online facilitation and virtual event design. I had a certification program. You know, I had to really be clear. I had a lot of content. I was very actively sharing a lot of free content, hosting things. And then now I'm kind of doing it again. I'm, I'm now letting my network know that I'm a business growth strategist is always was sort of a small part of my business. And because I was only had a few private clients at a time, I was working for a company to host, you know, uh, coaching their, uh, entrepreneurs, their clients, and I'm not doing that role. So now it's like, okay, now I want to do more of that myself. So now I need to make sure my network knows that plus I wrote a book <laughs> I'm hosting pop-up masterminds and I've got a new offer for a year long mastermind. So it's, um, it's totally doable. I'm basically going to do this twice in two years. <laughs> so it's not like you it is like the thing, right. And, but you know what you're yeah. doing is that you're looking back at what you combined, looking back at what you do, what are unique skills that you have, what you do well, and looking at your people and what do they need? And then finding that sweet spot in the middle. So that, that action that you mentioned, that tool that you mentioned, I know that you have a free resource for us. Is that that, or is that something different? That is that if you go oh, to Robbie, awesome. if you go to Robbie Samuels.com forward slash fire, mm-hmm. Robbie Samuels.com forward slash fire. That will take you to a book landing page where before you go and buy the book, which is 99 cents to November 6th, um, before you buy the book, you can opt to get the big results toolkit right away. Um, And if you get the book first, the link to get the toolkit is in the book. So this has got several resources I've created to help you implement the strategies in the book. It also contains a workbook about how to analyze the problem language that you collect from these research calls and several other worksheets, including um, recommended reading from all the people I quoted in my book and uh, how to use calendar, how to use calendar systems better, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So um, I, yeah, there's just yeah, really there's trying to be valuable. Yeah, lots of resources in there. That's fantastic. And oh my gosh, 99 cents for that book. Go get the book before November 6th. That's for sure. Um, but definitely that resource sounds fantastic. We'll, we'll make sure to put those links into the show notes for all of you listening right now. Um, if you love this, if you love these ideas that Robbie's presenting, share the show with a friend, write us a review. We love those. And, you know, the time flew by, Robbie, can you share some final parting words of wisdom that you would like to make sure that everybody leaves with? I believe you've already met 80% of the people you need to know to be successful. Mm. So it's time to wake up your network. I love it. Okay. Thank you so much. This is fantastic. Good luck with everything with your book. It's a great book. I think people are going to get a lot of value out of it. And thank you for sharing with us today. My pleasure. 